Live from Nashville, Tennessee, this is the Campfire Cafe on the Equestrian Legacy Radio Network. Darling, you have popped a question that I have been expecting. But before I answer yet, I have one little request. Take me back to Texas when the blue body bloom. I will be the bride. You can be the handsome groom. We can hitch our wagon to that lone star above. In a state that's as big as I love. Should you take me back in autumn where the hill country rolls? No. Tennessee. I'm your host, Gary Holt, and joining us in Albuquerque, New Mexico, is our co-host, Miss Bobby Bell. Good morning, Bobby. Good morning, Gary. So what's your weather like there this morning? We have beautiful weather. It's supposed to have been a little stormy today, but it has turned out to be a beautiful, sunny day. 
And, uh, you know, we have some storms that are coming up from the uh, Florida and, and, and that area that are supposed to cool us down. We were actually 93 yesterday here in Nashville. Oh. And the humidity <laughs> is kind of, you know, we're famous for our humidity, but it was it was mm-hmm. here. But uh, it's going to cool down and be a beautiful, beautiful, sunny weekend. So, and we had a beautiful weekend for Memorial Day as well. Can't complain. How's your weather? Sounds good. <laughs> well, you know, we just returned from a, a sort of sweeping um, short a trip to the Midwest, and I had I had mostly lived with humidity most all of my life, but being out in the West the last 30 years, I'd sort of forgotten. So um, I actually love what humidity does for hair. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, skin, wind, and skin wind and humidity for hair is not necessarily the best combination <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well by the but, way you, um, you just traveled yeah. through texas and and our first guest yeah. is going to be joining us from texas and that first mm-hmm. song was take me back to texas and that was by uh mary k holt and uh, I picked that girl up at the airport last night. She had been out in Utah performing out there and then visiting kids and grandkids. And, and I'm telling you what, I have never seen such a mess at midnight at an airport. Last night. <laughs> at the airport? Took, yeah, they had closed wow. off the, the, uh, the terminals to, uh, for the departing flights were totally closed off. And, oh, and really? part of the arriving flights were closed off. So it's just like three lanes of traffic just sitting there. You know, it was crazy. Oh, my goodness. At midnight. So by the time we got home, it was after 1 o'clock. So if I go to sleep mm-hmm. on you during the show, you know why. <laughs> oh, that's hey, not going to happen. <laughs> that's not going to happen. So anyway, tell us who our first guest is. Oh, we are so delighted to have Miss Belinda Gale on the line waiting to join us. We haven't chatted with Belinda in quite a while, so that'll be really fun. It is going to be a lot of fun talking with Belinda, and uh, we've mentioned this before, but we are celebrating our 10th year on Equestrian Legacy Radio, and Belinda has played a big part in that. So we may talk a little bit about that in just a little bit. And then in the second hour of the show on Saddle Up America, we've got our good buddy, Mr. Randy Rasmussen, that's joining us. And we'll be talking about the riding trails in America on Saddle Up America today. But right now, let's take a listen to a great song by Miss Belinda Gale, and it's from her album, Granite Mountain. It's one called Cowgirl Creed. When we come back, we'll be talking with Belinda today on the Campfire Cafe. Take nothing but a whole lot of heart Iron will and gumption I'll just use What the good Lord gave me So don't call me honey Don't, don't call me baby Yeah. 
Equestrian Legacy Radio Network. We just heard Cowgirl Creed with words and music by our good friends Templeton Thompson and Sam Gay, performed by Belinda Gale. Gary and I are excited to welcome back to Equestrian Legacy today's special guest, Belinda Gale. She's been a guest on Campfire Cafe several times over the years and hosted her own show here, Blessed Trails with Belinda Gale, heard Sunday mornings for a number of seasons. Raised on ranches in Nevada's Carson Valley and in the Sierra Nevada foothills near Sequoia National Park, her ranching heritage and love of the West runs deep in the fabric of who she is as a person and as a performer. It is her honor and joy to share this cherished way of life through music throughout the United States as well as parts of Canada and Europe. The quality of her recordings and live performances have endeared her to both DJs worldwide and music reviewers earning 15 awards presented by the International Western Music Association and the Academy of Western Artists. A natural entertainer with a dynamic and captivating voice, Belinda's warm, kind, and vibrant personality, as well as her twinkling eyes under the brim of her cowboy hat, have caused her to be dubbed by fans as America's Western Sweetheart. Please welcome back to Campfire Cafe a performer named one of the top 50 country and Western entertainers by American Cowboy Magazine, Belinda Gale. Welcome, Belinda. (laughs) Hi, you guys. I'm like so blushing right now. (laughs) (laughs) Good morning, my friend. Good morning. Good morning. I, 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 when 
I go into, um, it's like, you're not even, I feel like you're talking about somebody else. I mean, I just love what I do and I just want to love on people and that's my whole goal and what I do. And so when they start hearing that kind of stuff, I mean, I'm so grateful for all of it. I just, I mean, I, I am, but it just it feels like they're talking about somebody else. And I know when I go to events and they say, well, how should we introduce you? And I say, here's Belinda Gale. <laughs> and that's good to me. There you go. What about all of this stuff? I just get so embarrassed. It's like I don't even want to go on stage after they say all that Aww. stuff. It's, it's so crazy. I know it makes no sense whatsoever, but it just, I just, I, I just, I still can't take it in. I still can't wrap my head around it, but that's okay. It just is what it is. <laughs> but so cool to talk to you guys. It's been so long. Oh my goodness. It has. It has so, been a while. Yeah. I was so just long. thinking, uh, as, as we played cowgirl Creed and, mm-hmm. uh, and I don't know if you remember this or not, but, uh, uh Templeton Thompson, who she and Sam wrote the song, uh, sure. is the one that introduced us, I don't know how many years ago. And so Tempe introduced us. And then, uh, and I think you were going to be performing up in Pigeon Forge with a stop over at the Buckets and Leapers Fork. And, uh, and I had you on the show with the marvelous Mr. Don Edwards. And you mm-hmm. were, you were in an airport. You were sitting in an airport I Doing forgot. the show from the airport. You remember that? <laughs> I was. Yeah. I, uh, I and, now. I had I completely <laughs> forgotten about that. <laughs> so anyway, all this background noise, the announcements were coming in. And, and, uh, oh, so my we, goodness. We wrapped up, and then Don came on, and we visited with him. But that was mm-hmm. that is so funny, and it's a, it's a great, great memory. And then. Oh, um, it's, it's like so long ago. Wow. Yeah, it has been. I don't even know how long ago it's been. But anyway, and then we had you back on the show again, and you and I, after the show, got to talking about the fact that we both would like to have a gospel program. And that's how Blessed Trails with Belinda Gale started. Yes, and that was a wonderful chapter in my life, and I just dearly hated to give it up. But it was, I mean, sometimes things are just in your life for a season, uh, but that was, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. And I just was so grateful that you just like threw out this platform for me to be able to, to walk it out. It was, it was so gracious and generous of you. And I, I loved being a part of it. I loved getting to know you better. Um, just, I like, just loved everything that you were doing. It just lined up right up with my values and, and what was important to me. And it was a wonderful opportunity. And Oh my goodness! Well, I got to a... know my guests so much better. Oh my word! People that I've known for <laughs> years, I found out stuff I had no clue. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was a ton of fun, and so many great guests that were on the show during that period of time. Mm-hmm. But, uh, anyway, oh, it, so, you know, I, great memories. Yeah, I, I would you, crack you, up because I would I, I would bring on people you had no clue who they were, or you really didn't know who they were, were anything about them. Yeah. By the time my show wound yeah. up, you you had them booked for your show. And then it went and it and it went the other way too. There were people that I heard on your show I had never heard of that we we ended up getting on my show. So yeah, it was that's, like that's we were feed, we were feeding into each other's shows all the time, which was so fun. It was fun. It was fun. But we met yep. some some great folks during that period of time, and it was just yes, just a blessing in my life to have you in my life. Uh, oh, you know, oh, all those so years. Sweet. 
It was, it was great. Thank you. Well, we want to we want to get to another song and oh, okay. uh, and come back and visit some more because we got so much to talk about. And uh, this is the title cut from Granite Mountain, and mm-hmm. I find it to be very appropriate right now with all the things that are going on in the, in the world today and people that are mm-hmm. sacrificing. Mm-hmm. This song just means a whole lot. And tell us the story about Thank Granite you. Mountain before we play it. Oh gosh, I could I could go on for hours about that song. But um, in a nutshell, um, we moved to Arizona. That Granite Mountain National Park was right behind us. It's a giant mountain that's covered with big outcroppings of granite, which is how it got its name. And I just found out there was just an amazing depth of history all around that mountain. And I decided to write a song about the mountain. And I did, you know, and and as songwriters who are listening, and of course your your beautiful wife understands, sometimes all the pieces are there, but it doesn't feel like the song is finished. Something's just not clicking. It's just not done. So I put it away. And about six months in, that there, I'll come back to it and finish it then when, when when it feels right. So about six months later, um, I was in Colorado, and the Dosey fire happened, and I was, of course, panicking about that, And but, but um, the, the slurry planes and the hotshot crews saved our home. It was like the really threatened and had to be evacuated. My husband and the animals had to be evacuated. It was a mess. Um, a few days later, I was able to, I came back, and we were able to get in, escorted in, because it, it, they still hadn't opened the area up. It was still under evacuation, because I had needed, I was getting ready to go to Texas. I needed more CDs. I needed more clothes. And so we got in, <laughs> got out, got everything that I needed, um, but we were able to meet a crew that were actually hanging out on our porch when we got there, just kind of taking a little break. So we got to meet their, meet them, shake their hands, and thank them for saving our home. And about 10 days later, I was on tour in Texas, and I got a call from my husband that that crew that we had met on our porch had just perished in the the um, Yarnell Hill fire, which was the Granite Mountain 19, the Granite Mountain Hotshots, the 19, and that these were this was a very unique hotshot crew because they were locally established. Most of the people on the on that crew were local young men who had grown up in the area. It hit the community hard, and that inspired me to go back to my Granite Mountain song and look at it again. And I actually wrote a bridge. I added a bridge that was dedicated to them. And um, it just, and I didn't want to get all sappy and morbid about it, but I just wanted to highlight that these people put their life on the line for us and we forget about that. And it's to save, not, I mean, they weren't saving lives. They were just trying to save property and save people's homes and save parts of the forest. You know, it, I mean, it just, they're willing to put their lives on the line for that. And they get so undervalued for that. And so I just, and I just really wanted something that was long as I'm alive and singing this song, as long as that music's out there, the Granite Mountain 19 will not be forgotten. Well, this is, this is an amazing song and and I can't listen to it without thinking about that story. So let's Mm, take a listen mm. to Granite Mountain. We'll come back and talk more with Belinda Gale in just a moment. Campfire Cafe. Rises up from the valley floor Covered with rocks and so much more Lurk between the junipers and boulders 
Mountain lion, prickly pear, there is danger, beware. And don't forget to look back over your shoulder. in the shadows The beauty it will mesmerize But don't forget those wary eyes Always creeping there in the hollows Granite Mountain Oh, the silhouette we know so
Mountain title track to mm-hmm. Belinda Gale's award-winning album, traditional album of the year, written and performed by our special guest, Belinda Gale, uh, who mm-hmm. we are so excited <laughs> to have with us today. <laughs> Thank you. Hey, Belinda. Thank you. Yes. Belinda, we're we're uh, we're coming out of uh, that two-year COVID period that um, stopped mm. a lot of folks kind of in their tracks. Tell us a little bit about how how you maneuvered. You're such a positive, uh, <laughs> you know, heartbeat. You look for the silver lining in everything. You're one of the most positive people I know. Tell us a little bit uh. about how you navigated those those uh rocky uh, rocky years <laughs> oh gosh well you know i mean i really am I, and i really my mom said i was born happy so that is you know that's just something that the lord blessed me with so um she just said i was a happy happy baby and just so it's just part of my nature but my also my mom also modeled for us to always be looking for the good in people and always be looking for the good in every situation and so i feel very blessed to have been raised in that kind of an atmosphere and um so i do always look for for the good and i mean it was crazy being you know, just stuck at home and, you know, to going from, you know, being on the road, you know, anywhere from 25 to 40 weeks a year, depending on how the year, you know, panned out to just like, you know, screeching halt. I I hadn't been that home that long of a stretch in well over 20 years. So that was, it was mm-hmm. kind of freaking me out just a little bit. Um, <laughs> but, um, but, you know, the Lord, the Lord works those things out because I met some neighbors that I hadn't met and became part of a ladies walking group here in, in our, our new neighborhood where we moved to in Texas. So that was a wonderful thing. Um, I got back into one of my loves, which is bread making. And so I got back in like a zillion other people, apparently got back into sourdough bread making and I was making <laughs> sourdough everything you could possibly make from sourdough and i had the at the end of the whole thing i had the 20 pounds to show for it too (laughs) yeah we all we all did that right (laughs) that was interesting but you know how the lord takes these situations and just works them into something that ends up being a blessing um i started doing online um stuff online like a lot of artists did putting on little little concerts online um you know facebook live concerts and I loved doing that. That was so much more fun than I ever imagined. And I, I incorporated my husband into that. And that was a huge blessing. But all of a sudden, I just, I, I was starting to experience voice issues. And I was like, what the heck is going on? Well, it turns out, I developed a node, which I didn't realize I had. And then, um, and I, and I still, even though I stopped, I had to shut everything down for like a month and silence and all of that. The node was reabsorbed, but my ear, nose, and throat sent me to a, a specialist, for a vocal specialist, at ear, nose, and throat doctor. And um, she was amazing and did this whole big thing on me. Well, come to find out, I had contracted some kind of virus that attacks your vocal cords. Oh, wow. And so, and so I actually had one vocal cord that was significantly shorter than the other vocal cord. And so I could not sing. I mean, I literally could not sing. And so wow. I needed all this rest. And, and, you know, had it been a normal year, I would have had to have canceled a whole bunch of shows because, I mean, I literally could not, could not do it. Um, but as it turned out, they, they, they all canceled because of COVID. And I had plenty of time 
to rest my voice and do what I needed to do to get back on track with my voice. And so the Lord just used that time to heal my voice and to get me back up to speed again. And so, you know, I just, I mean, I, I hate that it happened. I hate the devastation it caused both financially for people and the people, I mean, dear precious friends that we lost to that horrible thing. But it just reinforced to me that what the enemy throws at us for evil to destroy us, the Lord can, if you're looking for it and you can appreciate it, he turns things around and makes it to our good. And so we do not lose any ground by looking for the good and not focusing on the bad. You know, that we, we, we pray for the, the bad things that happen. We prayed for people. We prayed for our country and the situation. All of that was bad. And I'm not taking one smidgen away from the devastation that that all caused. But I also am so grateful that in the middle of that, the Lord's light still shines. We can still, there's still good to be had. There is still good to be had. And there's so many more stories like that I heard from so many people. I mean, I learned how to use Zoom. That's how we stayed in touch with family (laughs) members. We had family Zoom meetings, which, you know, everybody, and I would be, I was like, I don't know about the Zoom thing. I'm so not technical. I hate all that technology. I'm just so not good at it at all. And so I learned a lot more about that. And it just really, expanded a lot of my horizons much further than I had thought it would be. So that's, so now, you know, just getting back on track and gigs are starting to come back in again. I'm so grateful for that and just getting back in the saddle and let's do this. (laughs) (laughs) Well, talking about zoom, you know, you and I are members of the um, board of directors for the IWMA International Western Music Association and um, it's really it's really fun. The, the the group used to meet, I think, just four times a year in a location that you would have to travel to and so forth. And now sure. we actually have a monthly um, gathering on Zoom, so we're really more in touch with each other. And, you know, Gary has launched with some number of other musicians a new chapter to the IWMA, um, the Tennessee chapter. Belinda, will you just take a moment and just say a little something about the IWMA and, and what the organization is and, and why you should be affiliated with it? I would be, I would be happy to. I think that um, the, the basic, you know, the um, goal of the IWMA is this cherished musical art form alive and along with it, a way of life that's connected to that because most people that perform Western music and it is not country for people who are listening, it is Western. So it reflects ranch life. It reflects the West and everything that's the best and beautiful about the West and everything that's the best and beautiful about our ranching and farming families and people that are involved in that agrarian lifestyle. So, and it's very story driven and it's very God and country and, and it just is a beautiful, beautiful art form. And I mean, it was wonderful back in the day in the heyday in the fifties and the you know thirties, forties and fifties when it really came into its own and launched the Roy Rogers and the, you know, all of those guys and uh, the Gene Autries and, and that, but also we have a huge number of amazing artists now that are writing currently, you know, our, our Mary Kay to be one of them, award-winning and writing incredible songs. And so we just, we, we are, we have come together to support and promote that, all of that kind of music and to nurture and bring along our young people. We have a really active 
um, youth chapter. Um, our members feed into those children. Um, they, they donate to their chapter so that we can assist those children in music camps and instruments if they need them and things like that. So we, we take really good care of our, of our members. And we're always, I mean, as a board, you've been, I've been on the board almost 20 years, and you've been on the board several years now. Um, it's just, I'm so proud of our board because especially this present one is one of the most fun that I've worked with because every, sorry about the dogs barking. Um, everybody is just, I mean, it's all about our members. It's all about the music. It's all about what can we do to further this, to promote it, to help, to support our people. And so I just, we don't want this to die. We don't want this to just end up isolated in, you know, chuck wagon groups around around the West, which is where it had kind of just been, that had been the little nurturing place when it all kind of went away in the 60s and, you know, late 50s, early 60s, it kind of just disappeared. Um, the Country Music Association used to be the Country and Western Music Association, and they decided that that was a dying art form and they decided to disassociate themselves, dropped the Western. And for a while, the music was really the only place you could really hear it were at dude ranches and chuck wagons. And, you know, just maybe privately on a ranch or somewhere. But um, when they had the, the big cowboy poetry gathering in Elko back, I guess, 30 or 40 years ago now, maybe maybe longer, it kind of made people realize, whoa, this is still alive. There's still people out there doing it. And then that launched the whole movement again. And that was the birth. All those people came together um, to, to birth the IWMA and to try to keep this going in a much more relevant and um, proactive way. And so that's what we're just trying to keep it alive and keep it going. Yeah, that was, I, that was I, I wish, yeah, I wish I had recorded you. I wish I had my phone like recording you on this. <laughs> Well, when well, you, you're speaking you know, you about, know me, you turn me loose. I can talk for an hour. I know. Sorry. <laughs> well, when you were speaking about contemporary songwriters, the next song that Gary has queued up is by our good friend Carrie Grumbacher, again from your oh, album yes. Grand yes. Mountain, and I think it's yes. Feather Quilt. And I think yeah. oh, it's time for music. Song. <laughs> yes, I love this sweet song. It's the sweetest thing. I, this goes out to all of our widows and widowers out there. Well, let's take a listen to Feather <laughs> Quilt. We're talking with Belinda Gale on the Campfire Cafe. Please. 
since I was a child. My mother sang. Um, we, she didn't play an instrument. She sang, and, we, and we, we grew up, you know, not a lot of money to throw around for things like that. That was quite a luxury for us, but we sang. Um, we sang. Mom had her car songs to keep us entertained while we were driving so we wouldn't kill each other in the car on long trips. <laughs> um, you know, four rambunctious kids, you know, you got to keep them, keep them corralled somehow. And also, I mean, where we lived was way out in the boonies, and so we didn't always have television signals, and we didn't have, you know, reception for things like that. And so um, lots of times in the evening, Mom would put on a stack of records, and we would sing along with the records, and we would dance and pretend we were on stage. And, you know, that was, music was just always a thing that we entertained ourselves with, and, and we all, all of us would sing along. And um, so I never really thought about having – you know, that anybody else would want to listen to me sing. It was just something fun that we did as a family. And then I got involved in church um, at 17. Um, my mom always, we believed in God, but we didn't attend church and didn't really do that. And so um, I just really, uh, you know, I know it's cliche, but I came to know the Lord as my personal Savior. I mean, really on a personal level at 17. Right. And my girlfriend who had brought me to church demanded that I join the choir with her. And I, I was like... <laughs> This is not going to work. I didn't join the choir in high school because I I would have to try out, and I knew I would not make it, that I didn't have a voice oh, good enough to be in the choir. So I didn't even try out for choir. 
So she put me, she demanded that I go join her and be in the choir with her at the church. And so I did. And, you know, lo and behold, over time, the choir director moved me to into like quintets and then into quartets. And then, you know, pretty soon I'm singing solos. And I'll never forget the first time I sang, it was like, it's a good thing I had a dress on because my knees were shaking so hard that everybody would have known. That I, was, I was shaking like a leaf from head to toe. I was so terrified. Um, but, I mean, it's a long, drawn-out story, but just through a chain of events that I never would have even imagined because, honestly, I, did, I never aspired to be a professional singer. That was not like this big dream of mine. It's just... I loved to sing and I loved the Lord and it just all kind of doors just started opening and people, well, can you sing at this? And then I'd meet somebody, well, can you do this? And, you know, Hey, I think you could, you could make some money with this. And I mean, this, these over the course of the next few years, all these doors just started opening and over the next like 10, 12 years of my life. And, and I had this wonderful opportunity to meet Patsy Montana, who c- completely changed the trajectory of my music because I didn't even realize there was a separate genre of Western music. I'd always lumped it in with country because that's the way it had been on the radio. So I thought it was right. all kind of the same. And then I realized it was very definitively different. And it so reflected my values, my core values, the way I was raised, the mu- a lot of the music I was raised with. And so I'm like, this is me. This this music is me. It's my life. It's what's important to me. And so I shifted gears. I had a manager by that time in a band. Well, my manager quit. Most of the band quit um, because they're like, they wanted to do, you know, that country music, mainstream. And they're like, there's no money in it. And they were right. <laughs> there is no money. <laughs> um, not, not a lot anyway. And so I just shifted gears and went into Western music. And then I, my my it just exploded. Once I got into that genre, which was authentically me, it just took off like gangbusters. And I still have to pinch myself. And before I knew it, I was touring so much that I had to make a decision. Do I keep my day job or do I do this full time? And I just took the leap in faith and thought, you know, I can always go back to this job if I have to, that we just, we just went for it. And that was in 2000. Uh, I think it was in 2000 when I went completely full time. Yep. Wow. And just so I've wow. been I've been full time doing this music since 2000. And so it just it just is wonderful. I love it. It's I love doing it. And I most the best thing. I, of course, I love singing. It's kind of cool being on stage and people clap and do that kind of stuff. That's cool. I'm not going to say it's not. <laughs> but the, but the part I love the most is getting to talk to the fans and all the amazing people the Lord has brought into my life. That uh, like you, both of you are dear friends of mine. I never would have met you had it not been. I would never would have met my husband after my late husband passed. It was all through the music. So this music yeah. has poured into my life the most amazing people and the most amazing experiences that one could ever, 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 ever ask for or dream of. It's just how the Lord takes you far and above anything you can ever dream or imagine. That's exactly how this whole career unfolded. Wow. Well, well it's pretty amazing what music has done for, uh, for all of us. And so we there is a song that you have one of the most beautiful versions that I've heard, and we're going to play that right now, and it is Shenandoah. Okay. And when we come back, oh, we'll talk you. more with Belinda Gale <laughs> on the Campfire thank Cafe. You. Oh, Shenandoah, 
I long to hear you away, you rolling river. Oh, Shenandoah, I long to hear you away. I'm bound away. Cross the wide Missouri. Tis seven long years since I last saw you. Seven long years since I last saw you away. I'm bound away across the wide Missouri. Oh, Shenandoah. I'm bound to leave you away, rolling river. Oh, Shenandoah, I'll not deceive you away. I'm bound Across the wide Missouri, away, I'm bound away, across the wide If anybody asks you, this girl can sing. <laughs> Absolutely beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Thank you. Thank you, Gary. Gosh. I want to ask, how did you and Curly Musgrave get together? You know, I um, I had a band when I was doing Western music, and um, I really wanted to go full-time. And I had two other gentlemen who, first there were three, and then it was down to two, Um and as we, when we would go out, my husband finally just sat me down and said, okay, here's the deal. Do you want to go full time? I said, yes. He said, then you're going to have to start going out by yourself. Um, sometimes because there was, there was not uncommon for us to go out and do a gig and us come home after we pay them and cover their expenses, you know, pay their side guy fees and pay their expenses and all of that. We would come home in the hole and they would come home with money in their pocket. And yep. so he said, you're going to have to be willing to go out and do gigs alone. And I said, okay, well, how am I? I didn't play an instrument at that point, Gary. Oh, I, wow. I held a guitar. I would hold on to a guitar and act like I was playing when I wasn't, and I felt guilty about it because I, I mean, felt like I, they said I should do it. And I'm like, I don't know. I don't play it. So, 
So I had to learn the guitar well enough to be able to go out on my own. And, and he, that was about like in the, in the fall, so like Christmas time, he told me he had booked me into Cody, Wyoming for the gig there. I said, oh, the guys are going to love that. No, just you, not the guys. So I had wow. six months to learn the guitar well enough to be able to play it for myself and perform in six, oh. by, in six months. So I, I did. I wasn't that great, but I did. And I thought, you know, oh, well. So then I started going out. I got booked, you know, more and more by myself and with the band, both, both, both. Well, the guys got kind of got their nose out of joint about it because they didn't want me going out without them. They didn't. They said we're, a, we're either a band they or we're not. They weren't making any money. And you, yeah. And if, you, and, if, and if you go out, well, but the thing is, here's the, here's the kicker. So we had this big powwow about that. So all I did was that band. That was it. I had no other income from music. Both of them were in other bands. Both of them were in other duos. Both of them had three or four other music things they would do. So if we weren't out on the road, they were doing these other music things by themselves with their other people. So it's like, okay, so I sit home and make nothing while you guys make money that weekend playing music. I go, uh, 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 if I turn it down. So they kind of got their nose out of joint, and they honestly, they just kind of left me high and dry for one gig. And I had met Curly um, about a year before, um, and then he had actually, um, he, the first time he ever showed up at the, at the IWMA, um, my band wasn't there yet, and so he played for me to do, um, just behind me, a song that I wanted to sing for, for one of the, the show nights before the band got there. And he sang harmony with me. And as we were getting that song ready, the, we were just like, wow, our voices blend really well. So these guys literally <laughs> left me high and dry a week before a gig that was in our hometown where we had been publicized as a, as the band, not just me. So they just pulled out at the last minute and just, I'm trying to make a point, mm. I guess. I'm not sure, but Curly, I called Curly in a panic he came down. We spent three days just woodshedding, like 24 hours a day, it felt like, getting a bunch of songs we could do together. So we put the show on. I did part. He did part. And then we ended the show doing part, the doing it together. And my husband, my late husband, came. That just, people were like, we need an album. You know, we're like, ah, we don't even really sing together. You know, and it was like this, this crazy synergy and this crazy blend that was just freaking us both out like wow that was so good and so my husband approached him unbeknownst to me he approached him and he said if Belinda's good with this would you think about maybe you guys forming a duo well he was for it I was for it and our first duo gig that was in like April or May when that happened by December we had booked our first duo gig and then it just took off from there wow wow well it was a great theme Yep. Great team, great oh, combination on there. So. It was. I Unreal. miss him terribly. I, I really miss him because he really challenged me, and I thought I was as good as I can. I mean, I, it was, I was in well into my 40s when I started learning to play the guitar. So I thought, you know, if I can just get through some basic chords, and then I'm good. That's, I shouldn't expect any more from myself because I'm too old to learn it better. Wow. So he gave, he gave me about six months, and then he sat me down, and we had a little come to Jesus about my guitar playing that I needed to ramp it up, and he had been watching <laughs> me. So he knew what I was capable of, even if I didn't know. And so he pushed me big time on the guitar, big time. And I'm so grateful because when, then when we lost him almost 10 years later, um, then I, it was, um, I was able to continue as a solo artist with confidence, even though it was really hard. But he, he set me up to succeed. So he, that's a gift that he has given me for forever, for the rest of my life. Wow. 
Well, you are you are a great great team. We're starting to run out of time. I want to get to a couple yes, more songs. <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm telling you, we're gonna do oh, along with the Buffalo and uh, come back oh. and talk more Blend in just a minute on the Campfire Cafe.
buffalo Belinda Gale's original Along the Buffalo from her album Granite mm-hmm. Mountain. We've been enjoying our mm-hmm. time with Belinda today, which is very quickly coming to an end. <laughs> I know. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> um, Belinda, we, we really are almost out of time, but I have two quick questions for you. The first one simply is to tell us a little bit about your cowgirl true girlfriend getaway weekend and then how and where people can find your music and your tour schedule and such. Um, well, the, the tour, the schedule is on my website. I'm currently getting it revamped though, because I lost my webmaster and I had no clue what to do about it. And so now it's like woefully out of date and woefully, you know, broken pieces. So I'm reconstructing my website. So please have patience, but you can get with me and I can my schedule should be up there. Um, so you can find that out. Uh, my Cowgirl True Weekend is 11 years old now, and it's simply uh, women, and they can be, they don't have to be like really cowgirls. We call it Cowgirl True Get Away Weekend, but only a few of the women actually are cowgirls. The rest are just women of diff- various ages, various degrees of being able to ride. Some ride, some don't. And it's just a gathering of women to support and love on each other and have fun. And we do a craft and we ride every day. And, we, and I do a private concert and we have line dancing classes and we just, we go shopping and we just have an amazing <laughs> fun weekend. And everybody <laughs> leaves with their, this supercharged um, and we've got a, a beautiful little jewel of a ranch um, in um, southern Arizona, right on the border. And we pretty much fill that thing up every time we go. And so they love us. And we just go, we've been back and back there. And, um, I mean, we just, we normally have only one or two beds that aren't, aren't used when the weekend is done. And so we're just, it's wonderful. It's a wonderful blessing. And it's just really my giving back, you know, my my giving an opportunity to rub elbows with fans and friends and new fans and friends and then just pour into these women's lives. And that's, and I do devotionals in the morning. It's not like a religious retreat, but I do devotionals in the morning and we do have cowgirl church on Sunday and it's completely optional. They want to come fine. If they don't, that's up to them, but it's just my way of loving, loving on these women and just pouring back into their lives. Mm-hmm. And your website is Belinda Gale Sings. Right. Things. Right? Yeah. Belinda yeah. Gale, when I got my website, Belinda Gill was a fishing boat in Massachusetts. And so <laughs> <laughs> and then and then they, they, they contacted me when the guy was retiring and wanted to sell it to me for like a bazillion dollars and I went, Yeah, that's okay. I Belinda Gill things is working just fine. And now even when there I go, go check on it, you know, they, they've got it, you know, that like I could buy it for a whole bunch of money, but it's like I, I don't need it. It's good. I'm good. No worries. Uh, okay. <laughs> this has been so fun. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm so happy to celebrate your 10 years and all the good that well, you're doing you. and just all the, you know, promoting our, all of our, the music that we adore and love and this way of life. You've got, you've got it all rolled into, into one big, beautiful package and just, you so deserving of your awards. Y'all are great together. You're wonderful co-hosts for this show. And I'm just proud to have been a part of it for a while, but still a part of it because we're all, we're all part of the family. We're all part of it. And, um, you know, Blessed Trails with Belinda Gale, you can still go back and find those shows mm-hmm. on our oh, website awesome. or Spotify or iHeartRadio or Apple Podcasts mm-hmm. or iTunes because they're, they're still back there. But uh, one of the things that we always did 
All one of the things we mm-hmm. always did on Blessed Trails, Belinda would have great guests in, and we would talk about their faith and play their music and, and visit. But we always ended the show with one of her great hymns. And so we're going to close mm-hmm. out this segment of the show today with another great hymn from Belinda Gale called I Rejoice. And Belinda, come back and visit again anytime, please. Oh, I will. I will. I'll get in touch with you. Like, isn't it time for me to come back on now? (laughs) (laughs) I know y'all well enough to do that. (laughs) You do. You do. Thank you so much. Legacy Radio Network. We'll be right back with our good friend, Mr. Randy Rasmussen, with Backcountry Horsemen of America.
Well, I rolled into Arizona from my home way back east. I was looking for a rodeo, maybe ride a humpback east. I climbed up Highway 60, something in me stirred. When I saw the sign ahead, it said, Welcome to Wickenburg. Well, I heard they got some jackpots big enough to blow your mind. All you gotta do is make it through one good eight-second ride. I found a little motel at Frontier Street and 3rd And the sign at the desk said, Welcome to Wickenburg My money said that she could plainly see. I wasn't from around here, but then she kind of purred. Said, good luck, come back and see me, and welcome to Wickenburg. When I drew the rankest critter, that stock contractor had, the boys behind the fucking shoot said, man, that draw was bad. He'll jump out to the right. And then he'll spin back around When you think you're setting pretty He'll put you on the ground Well, I bucked off and I was hung up And I fell into the well He walked the length of me And he tore me all to well He turned my face into a plow And as I swallowed dirt the clown who picked me up said, Welcome to Wickenburg. Yeah, welcome to Wickenburg. Well, it was fairly obvious. I wouldn't make no pain. I saw that little gal I met, but she just turned away. I tried to make a smile, but I couldn't, because it hurt. When I passed the next rider, I said, Welcome to Wickenburg. Yeah, welcome to Wickenburg. Mr. Dan McCorson, Welcome to Wickenburg is the song. And welcome back to Saddle Up America on the Equestrian Legacy Radio Network in Nashville, Tennessee. I'm your host, Gary Holt. Joining me is our good friend, Mr. Randy Rasmussen with Backcountry Horsemen of America. Hey, Randy. Hello, Gary. Hi, Bobby. Thanks for having us yet again. Bobby has gone. She had a project she had to work on. but So you're stuck with me, my friend. Just, just you and me. Oh, I won't take that personally, but okay, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh, you know, I was, uh, I was thinking. We talked a little bit about what we might talk about on the show today, and and one of the things that um, that struck me that you and I have not talked about, but that is the fact that that already this year, the fire season has been horrific. And uh, with, with fires in particularly New Mexico and some in Texas and some in Colorado, how does that affect 
Randy, the the cleanup and the work that Backcountry Horsemen of America does to help keep these trails open for our trail riders? Oh, the wildfires and the extensive wildfires of today are decimating, uh, you know, lots of opportunities for not only enjoying America's great backcountry and wilderness, but uh, just our maintenance and our volunteers' maintenance of the trails. Because that's, you know, BCHA and our volunteers' bread and butter is maintaining trails for public access, largely to backcountry areas and wilderness. And as you mentioned, those fires uh, in New Mexico and the Pecos Wilderness and elsewhere down in the Black Range by the Gila country uh, are really affecting, you know, lots of backcountry areas. I mean, the worst part clearly is the homes and structures that are being lost and the lives being torn up, but they're also having a devastating toll on the backcountry and the trails we love. So there's no easy solutions, and it sets us all back every time we have one of these major wildfires, and it's going to get nothing but worse, it looks like, this season is particularly ripe for a lot of large-scale wildfires because – after even after the fire cleanup is done and all the damage is assessed, uh, trails are largely impassable because uh, it's unsafe in many cases. There's lots of blowdown and dead wood and lots of tree hazards. Um, and then when our folks do get out there, I mean, it's it's a multi-year process for any one given trail. Uh, given the the timber that can fall over many many years that has died, um, and the the difficulties of erosion. From, from rainfall on, on these soils that have been, you know, scarred and uh, I guess the term hydrophobic is, you know, they run water off pretty quickly and create hazards. So we're trying yeah. to find ways again and again to be part of that post-fire recovery and make sure trails are part of that, um, you know, as the agencies, in this case the Forest Service and others, are trying to just reclaim the land so it doesn't create major landslides or washout hazards for for people downstream. So it, it's devastating for everybody in, in every way possible, including our volunteers. Is there, is there anything that can be done prior to the fire season coming in, uh, you know, cleanup, removal of things? You know, I, it's like, I know I've got a, I got this huge tree outside my living room window right now. And it has grown into the power line. So Nashville Electric is going to come out and, and cut some branches off of my tree, which I'm going to have to watch them carefully to make sure they don't <laughs> make a mess of it. But, uh, you know, that's all done to prevent uh, our, our loss of power because, you know, the limbs can come down and cause loss of power. Is there anything that can be done uh, to, to help relieve some of the pressure of these forest fires? Well, of course, there you can, and Congress has stepped up in providing more funding for active forest management. But what that means to me and to most people is it's it's not clear-cutting and large-scale timber, but it's thinning. It's thinning the understory. It's thinning the, the, the density of, of vegetation. But I'll tell you, even when you make, you know, a, a safe fire space for your own home um, right. or, or things of the nature, there there is just no guarantee Given how these fires, I mean, like the one in northern Arizona and even here now in, in northern New Mexico are growing, these fires are leaping not just a quarter mile sometimes, but a mile or two with, uh, you know, with the flare-ups that are happening because of the strong winds. So even yeah. sometimes, you know, if one of those if one of those things lands on your roof and you haven't cleared out your gutters from 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 pine you know pine needles or anything else, 
or you have a shake roof, you're in a world of hurt. No matter how far you buffer your house from trees or shrubs that might catch fire. Uh, but to answer your question better, I mean, yes, clearly forest thinning, getting rid of underbrush. There's lots of activities, including at least until recently, prescribed fire was one way thought that can largely reduce large conflagrations from taking off. But that Hermit Peak fire in New Mexico that's still going on right now, the biggest one in the country, started in part by a prescribed burn um, oh, wow. on national forest lands. Yeah, it got out of hand, and it's, it's happened before. So the U.S. Forest Service has, has a policy right now of stopping all prescribed fires until they figure out what happened, uh, because that tool that usually is fairly effective in re- minimizing uh, risk of major wildfire resulted in one. So, you know, I can't say there's any quick and easy solutions, um, but there's a number of things that can be done in concert, and we're seeing, you know, the science is showing that certainly these treatments and, and these thinnings have been helpful in the past, but there's no, yeah. you know, there's no golden ticket or, or silver bullet for this. There's a variety of things, and once you have, you know, humidity levels so low and high winds and drought for so long, anything can go. It's it's really a scary situation. Wow, wow. Well, I know that uh, in New Mexico, particularly, uh, I had several friends that have been evacuated you know, more than once. They've had to leave their homes more than once. And, and one had moved from one wow. location to another, and they had to leave that second location. So it's it's really been a, been a tragic thing. And, uh, and I know, for one, I speak for uh, a lot of folks that we appreciate everything Backcountry Horseman of America does to keep, keep these trails passable and usable uh, for not only horse people, but for other people that are involved as well. So, wow. Wow. Well, it's going to be a long fire season. So, Yeah. Yeah, unfortunately so. It's just going to get worse. It's going to get worse. So, Well, what's new with Backcountry? By the way, uh, Christy Landwehr with uh, Certified Horsemanship Association said to tell you hello. Yeah. I spoke with, spoke with Christy a couple of days ago, and she said to tell you howdy. Great. No, Chris is great. Her organization does does great work. So I returned the, the, the hello and she's one of the first partners I met when I started with BCHA and uh oh uh, yeah, I think she I think the world over, she's great. Yeah, she's really talented and, and a new board member with uh the, the American Horse Council. So that's congratulations to her on that. So Tell us what's new with Backcountry Horsemen of America. Are there any challenges besides these fires that we need to be looking for or perhaps some accomplishments that we need to be lauding? Well, you know, there's always challenges to access to the backcountry and wilderness. There's always challenges uh, to mobilizing volunteer crews to clear trails when there are wildfires and smokes and and dangerous situations. But our our folks in our 30 plus states and over 200 chapters are making good headway uh, in, in, in lots of parts of the country. So there's a lot of successes in terms of the volunteer hours. I think last year we had over 200,000 volunteer hours working on oh, trails wow. and, and, you know, logistics. And those kinds of contributions, if you multiply the hours by the technical skills and the, the, the rate that the Department of Labor uses are multi-million dollars, you know, probably in excess of $10 million of what we call in-kind contribution, volunteer services we're giving freely 
to our state and federal land managers to, to keep trails open. So we're still making good strides in recording our hours, and, and our volunteers are engaging at every level, at the county, state, and federal, uh, to do their work. But the challenges are, are there in addition to the wildfires that you mentioned. You know, and you, well, you mentioned American Horse Council. They're a great partner of ours, and we just had a discussion yeah. recently about electric motorized bicycles. Um, yeah. and, and what that means for the entire equestrian community. And we need to get more active at a national level to try to get ahead of this burgeoning issue because if folks don't know already or haven't listened to some of your previous shows with us uh, as a guest, uh, electric bicycles are the new potential nemesis uh, of, of the equestrians for obvious reasons because they go faster or have the potential to go faster um, than regular bicycles on trails. And we're trying to figure out a way that we can work with the industry that promotes and supports electric bicycles to bring some sanity to the debate and the discussions about where e-bikes should be allowed. So e-bikes is the short for electric bicycles and where they shouldn't be allowed. And we're pretty convinced we don't want them by and large on our non-motorized trails because an e-bike has a motor, an electric motor, and right. their safety hazards that they, they pose is just too great. So we are going to continue for now and for many years into the future in that electric bike debate and trying to keep safety and sanity on our trails. And we're, we're using our partner American uh, horse council to help steer us through some of that too. And, and, you know, and help find us solutions at the national level that hopefully should trickle down and, and, and make that those decisions and those discussions easier at the chapter and state level for our volunteers. Well, how is that going now? I mean, are, are the electric bikes out on the trails? Is that something that we need to watch for when we're out trail riding in, in our national and state parks and forests? Increasingly, the electric bikes are on non-motorized trails, largely illegally because, you know, I mean, I must say most electric bike users probably don't know the rules or restrictions or don't feel yeah. that their electric bike should be any treated any differently than a regular bicycle mountain bike but they are. Um, and so we're hearing more and more incident reports and it's not just in the States with large population centers. We're hearing about in some remote areas, uh, you know, in, in Idaho or other places, it, it's creeping in everywhere. And, you know, it's a new phenomenon. We, it won't be going away. We'll be seeing more of it. And it's the question of how do we contain this and how do we find places that electric people on electric bikes could use because, you know, and I, I use this because as a caveat is because there are lots of good things in certain populations that don't can't get out on trails without a right. assist from a bike, have certain disabilities or other reasons why a regular bicycle won't do or a horse wouldn't do. They, they can't use it. So we want to encourage people to enjoy public lands and trails, but we just don't think a motor mixes with non-motorized. But, yeah, we're seeing it. Unfortunately, most of our volunteers and most people – myself included, would have a hard time telling the difference between an electric bike and a regular mountain bike when you're on a trail. Just to look at it, uh, yeah. They, they look so similar. You might hear a little whine, a little whir of the engine, or motor, that is, the electric motor, uh, if they're using it when, when they come across you. But other than a, you know that, the only telltale signs is the, the crankcase box is a little bit bigger. The down tube, which comes down from the handlebars, is a little bit thicker because that's where the battery is housed. Okay. But we're on horseback. We're not looking for those things. We're looking for if there's someone coming from in front or behind, 
and we're just gauging it. To us, it's a bicycle. Um, and But now they can come a lot faster because most of these electric bikes, you know, can go at least 20 miles per hour with electric assist. Some of them 28 miles per hour or more you know, wow. compared to what, our, our three, mile, three miles per hour on horseback? Wow. Um, wow. It, so it's those situations where we're not really looking at what kind of bike it is. We're just looking at the hazard it represents and trying to steer clear and talk to the rider to tell them to slow down or let us pass if they can stop for us. Um, so it's causing problems already, and it's not just the, the populated areas. It's happening at a large scale. So there's, we have to do something about it. And what, the first thing I would say is riders who have this concern should start educating themselves and go online and, and just put electric bicycle, electric mountain bike in particular, and, and refresh themselves on what these things look like and how they're different in subtle ways from a regular mountain bike. So if something happens, they can tell uh, a law enforcement officer or, you know, that it was an electric bike that caused this problem. Um, you know, that's really what I encourage folks to do is start boning up on what these look like. And I'll even go okay. further. If folks are so willing, like I did, demo or rent an electric bike and take it out on a spin on a gravel road or dirt road and understand their power and how in this case it scared the heck out of me when i realized what they can do uh, i as you know as, as a trail user know now that not only are these things fast but they're potentially dangerous around you know long you know uh corners and things like that where you can't have you have poor sight lines it's just important for folks to familiarize themselves with electric bikes so they know their capabilities because the, often the first time we're accused of complaining about electric bikes is people say, you just don't know because you've never ridden one. It'd be fun. You'd love it. And I'd say, yeah, it was fun, but it scared the heck out of me about their potential. So <laughs> I always want to encourage our members to go out there and educate themselves whether or not they want to ride one. That's up to them. But it, it did a lot to educate me about their, you know, their, their range and their potential and enough to say, okay, this is not a good mix with horses on trails. Wow, wow, wow. Well, I, 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 don't, I, guess, I don't know whether I've seen an electric bike or not, but I guess I better check that out before I get out on the trail again uh, <laughs> myself. So anyway, hey, let's take a real quick break, and uh, we're going to go up to Canada to a friend of ours, Mr. Ryan Fritz. He has a great song that he was on an album a couple of years ago. It's called Jingle Up. And uh, when we come back, Randy, let's kind of talk a little bit about what maybe uh, Backcountry Horseman is doing to help young people get more involved. But we'll be right back on Saddle Up America today on the Equestrian Legacy Radio Network. Jingle up 
So jingle up, big Bermuda, jingle up, jingle, jingle, jingle up, jingle up, sweet Bermuda, jingle up. They stand like statues in the dark I hope this mare's gonna do her part Show me where they are And jingle up that will 
do those same kind of volunteer services that our volunteers do. So we're very concerned about that. And, uh, you know, BCHA has a five-year strategic plan, and there's only a handful of things. I won't bore you with details, but clearly one of them is youth recruitment because that's critical to the future uh, of, of what we do and of just access to public lands for people on horseback. So we've got some programs in the works. We've got a wonderful coordinator, chairman of our youth committee, a gentleman named Greg Schatz from Backcountry Horsemen of America in Montana, who's doing a bang-up job of, of holding. And, you know, I encourage people to go to our website, bcha.org, bcha.org, and uh, do a word search. After you get past that first page, you can, there's a, a lookup, and you can do a word search for youth. And look at some of the programs we're doing in various states uh, to try to, you know, uh, you know, meet youth where they are, engage them. Um, in addition to what Montana's doing, there's a great, uh, in California, a great scholarship program. They're putting their money where their mouth is, as is they are in Montana and elsewhere, by creating a scholarship for youth packers where they're training, oh, great. you know, young adults, you know, uh, and this could be anything from, you know, 18 to 30 at this rate uh, to learn packing skills, uh, you know, with horses and mules and, and really all the things you need to know. And the first youth packer they started training has instantly got a job with the U.S. Forest Service and works with our crews there on a regular basis and looks like they have now a career in packing, uh, you know, aided by the efforts of Backcountry Horsemen of California. So we're doing small things, trying to do them more broadly and scale them up. Of course, resources are always a challenge for those types of things. But I think right. those types of things, because we don't, we don't want to lose that skill set, particularly in packing, which is diminishing in the federal agencies as people age. We want that skill set of how to pack in, you know, all the equipment and materials and for trail crews and other reasons to make us continue to be relevant in wilderness, to be that primitive form of travel, which is permitted and in, in, in encouraged in wilderness, uh, and us to be always thought of as the leader in, in doing so and, and keeping trails open, you know, for the public. So there's a number of things in play that we're trying to get more strategic about on a national level, create programs and energy and use these case studies in Montana and California and elsewhere to stitch together something on a broader scale for all of our 30-plus states. Well, that is great. Well, I, I know just in, in general the problem is, is that uh, – a lot of things just seems like we're, we're kind of aging out, you know. Um, just trail riders in general are, are generally an older group of people today. And, uh, you know, we just have to find ways to keep people involved in horsemanship and horses and uh, uh, back out on the trails because they're not out on the trails, then backcountry horsemen doesn't need to be clearing the trails, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah, no, it, it affects the whole horse industry, of course, too, because as, you know, there's more people living in urban areas these days and fewer growing up in rural areas and are participating in 4-H and doing such things that people haven't grown up with animals and horses. And so clearly those are the people that come around, let's say maybe in their youth or their you know, if they're going to college or have a career, they're not going to have a lot of time for volunteer kind of, you know, week-long pack trips right. into the wilderness. But, you know, sometimes on vacations they choose to join, do so and join our, our group. 
certainly when people get along further in life or they retire, they have a lot of free time and, and, and give back. So we're hoping there will be enough of a cadre of people that will cycle in that way, too, uh, to want to contribute and be volunteers for Backcountry Horsemen of America um, as, as they age and have more free time. Because at the end of the, the, end of the day, really, it's, it's free time that we need to do the things we love. And sometimes for people that are younger, they've just got so much going on between raising a family or other, other job-related things or whatnot that, you know, it's, they just don't have the time, quite frankly. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's, that, that is, a, that is a, a challenge for people that are in the horse industry um, as well. Um, I had a question and it just suddenly left me. Have you ever done that? Where, where you... <laughs> yes. yes, and I think that's that's another sign of our graying aging out here. Dear. My gray hair, <laughs> that, my gray hair is catching up. I know I was going to ask you. So what's you know if we if we keep seeing these gas prices go up, somebody said more people would be out horseback riding to get to the grocery store in different places, and then somebody else said, "Have you seen the price of hay lately?" So, you know, it's like six of one and half a dozen of the other. But uh, what are gas yeah. prices at, at, in your part of the country? Well, I'm in Oregon, so they're about $5, maybe five fifty for premium or diesel. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's painful at the pump. One thing that's helping soften the blow, at least for our volunteers, is that the federal agencies are flush with cash right now for a number of reasons we've discussed on your show here the Great American Outdoors Act and some of the infrastructure bills and other things with lots of cash on hand to address deferred maintenance. So many of our chapters are entering into cost share agreements where at a minimum they're getting reimbursed for the cost of their mileage or their diesel for their rent. Oh, that's great. Um, That's great. Yeah, that's happening more and more frequently where some chapters will say, no, we're doing this all on a volunteer basis. We don't accept any, you know, compensation. But I think as gas prices continue – and diesel prices continue to soar, it's just at, at the bare minimum, that's the least we can say, okay, we'll accept that part of it, but our labor is free and all the, you know, scouting time we do and all right. the meetings we do is free, but um, kind of thing. So that's helping in some places that the, the money, at least from the federal side, is, is presently there, uh, you know, for the next year or up to maybe 2025, but that's not a given. It'll stay long and not everyone can enjoy that extra little benefit, but it, it still doesn't pay all the bills, of course. Yeah, yeah. Well, I know uh, here in Nashville, they were just talking today. Gas, regular gas, is now uh, something like four seventy nine, and uh, and unfortunately, I have to put premium in mine, and I haven't I haven't put gas in it in a couple of days, but it just went up again. So I'm expecting we're going to be at five dollars, uh, and then diesel is already yeah. over five dollars a gallon here. I talked with somebody in California yeah. last week. Jen Rozier with uh, Bishop Mule Days, and she said they were well over six dollars for regular in California right now. So yeah, ca- California is one of the most will, expensive. Yeah, yeah. Well, they always are on on everything, <laughs> but um, uh, but I expect that may have an effect on uh, some of the trail use this year. You know, as far as the cost of diesel to get your truck and trailer to where you're going, are you hearing any of that? Of course, yeah. No, that that is going to deter some people. I think, you know, from our volunteers, it, it, they're just amazing because they're going to do it, you know, regardless, uh, you know, because this is a passion. And it's one yeah. of these things where, you know, when you first do your first trail ride, you just think these trails magically appear in some 
you know, someone's taking care of them. You don't know who. And then after trail riding for quite a while, you, re- you begin to realize, oh, someone is taking care of them. And then, you know, you begin to appreciate that. And then you get to a point where you say, I want to do this. I want to give back. I want to do this. They're at that yeah. level of, of pa- passion and volunteerism where even the cost of diesel won't deter them from doing, you know, following that passion. So I can't say all of us are wealthy by any stretch of the imagination, but, you know, when you channel that into the passion, they, w- they want to get outside and do that anyways. Uh, so they're going to find ways to do it. Um, and so, no, I'm not hearing anyone saying we're canceling a work party because the gas is too expensive. I haven't heard that yet, and I don't expect uh, to hear that either. Well, that's good. That is good. Well, I expect things will get better sometime as far as uh, um, the price of gas. And, and uh, uh, of course, I've always heard that uh, Backcountry Horsemen of America eats pretty well when they get together for these work parties. So that's another inducement to show up. <laughs> this is true. Yeah, I remember a pack trip. I went with some folks in Oregon here to the Three Sisters Wilderness, and we had steak and salmon, you know, uh, in the evenings. It was just uh, unheard of, uh, given how far back we were in the backcountry. But when you've got the right equipment and you can pack it in, why not? There you go. There you go. Well, Randy, we ha- this has been a good conversation today. I have thoroughly enjoyed this, and uh, and so we look forward to having you back or uh, Sharon next next month on the show and uh, catch up with what's going on with Backcountry Horseman America. Well, thanks. Always a pleasure to join you, Gary, and really Backcountry Horseman America and myself. We really appreciate this opportunity. Well, we appreciate you guys. So uh, we'll we'll see you next month, the uh, first Thursday of every month on Equestrian Legacy Radio. There is a song that's called In a Cowboy's Dreams, and this was done by the late Joey and her husband Rory and uh, we're going to take a listen to that right quick and come back on Equestrian Legacy Radio and Randy we look forward to talking with you soon my friend thank you so much you bet tell Bobby at You can ride a hundred miles and not see one thing And you can drink from the rivers and the streams And you can sleep under the stars No matter where you are In a cowboy's dream You can turn the radio On the station here, Chris LaDuce And every road that you drive down Leads you further from a town In a cowboy's dream And everybody's got a horse and a good road And everybody's wearing boots, spurs and jeans When a lady passes by Oh, I wish life was what it seemed In a cowboy's dream 
that's just what he means The only time that he might cry Is when his old cap up dies In a cowboy's dream Everybody's got a horse and a good road And everybody's wearing boots, furs and jeans And men tip their hats with pride When a lady passes by Oh, I wish life was what it seems In a cowboy's dream Cowboys Dream, that is Joey and Rory Feek. And we've had a good time today visiting with Belinda Gale, a good, good friend on the Campfire Cafe, and, uh, and going back several years when she had a show on our network, and that was Blessed Thrills with Belinda Gale. And, uh, and great, great music, great to catch up with her again today. And then Randy Rasmussen is always great to have with Backcountry Horsemen of America find out a little bit more about what's going on with America's trails. And, and if you would like, visit their website, bcha.org, and uh, go ahead and become a member of Backcountry Horse of America. Trails open for other people to be able to ride as well. I want to mention that uh, Equestrian Legacy Radio's Rendezvous 2022 is taking place. September the 29th through October the 1st at the Circle E Guest Ranch in Winchester, Tennessee. And we have, uh, we've added the Extreme Cowboy Race this year. And so that will be on Saturday, October the 1st. There will be an open division as well as a division strictly for Mustangs. So that's going to be a lot of fun. 120 miles of trails to ride at the Circle E Guest Ranch. There is no charge for any of the vendors to come, so we invite vendors to come and join us on Friday and Saturday. And then every night we have great concerts that we put on by some award-winning performers. And So visit our website at equestrianlegacy.net. You'll find out all the information there, and also you're able to make reservations with Circle E Guest Ranch. You can make reservations with our host hotel, Best Western, in Winchester, Tennessee, is the host hotel for the event. And also, if you'd like to compete as a competitor in the Extreme Cowboy Race, there is a link there for you to be able to do that as well. So that's equestrianlegacy.net. That's Rendezvous 2022, and that is coming up September the 29th through October the 1st at the Circle E Guest Ranch in Winchester, Tennessee. Well, it was a lot of fun today, as I said. Bobby is not with us for a closing thought, so we're just going to invite you to join us next week, beginning at noon Central Standard Time for the Campfire Cafe, followed by Saddle Up America. And we'll remind you that you can listen to the podcast of the show 
on our website at equestrianlegacy.net, but also on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, and iTunes. Just search for Equestrian Legacy Radio. We're going to close out the show with a song I watched Paint Your Wagon this past week. It was so much fun. Lee Marvin and uh, Clint Eastwood starred in this in this movie. And uh, this is a song that is from the movie, but it was a remake, and it was done just about two years ago by our good friend Kristen Harris and produced by our friend uh, here in Nashville. So Chris Harris was the producer on that. So this is one called Wandering Star. It's Kristen Harris. We'll see you next week on Equestrian Legacy Radio. 